You are now listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast. We are well into August, and that means we're well into the quietest part of the NHL offseason. But don't blink, because before you know it, that silence will be replaced by the sounds of skate blades cutting ice and pucks hitting boards. This is Caro. How are you tonight, Vardy? My God, that was romantic. You, sir. You, you're in mid-season form. I don't care where we are in the off-season. This is what happens when you're in August. You get to think about your your intro more than the you actual content. Get all poetic content. and yeah, more than the actual content of the episode. <laughs> wait till you hear I the like next one. Yeah, I'm, I'm oh man, cry. can't wait. So how are you tonight? You doing good? Huh? How's August? I'm good. I'm you? good. It's it's been a while since we've been recording. I think. I'm going to blame the fact that we kept hoping that all of the contracts would be signed and we'd be able to just take care of all of them at once. And we kept putting it off and vacations and things like that. I was like, it's cool because next time we come on, Dursey and Mikey will be signed. And then eventually, I I think it just went too long. (laughs) We just finally decided, all right, we're just going to record. Yeah, it seems like it's a theme across the league. There's still like big name free free agents who haven't signed. And... You know, we're still got two months till training camp. I get it, all that, but you'd like to know your team, I think, at this point of the summer. I don't know what you're working with, but yeah. Well, Let's... I mean, if you or or you know, if you believe the rumors, you're like Nazem Kadri, Lou Lamarillo's got to still do some stuff in the background. It can't be revealed, but funny I, things. Interesting to take Lou's word for that. If you're Nazem Kadri. <laughs> While all these other teams are filling up their salary cap and their roster. But yeah, Lou seems like a great guy, so why not if you're Nazem Kadri? Yep. I mean, there's yep. got to there's gotta be like some kind of verbal, there's got to be some deal in place for all this to be going on. I mean, if that's real, right? Like, no, it was like a semi sort of insider. With yeah, the yeah, that's who... another thing. You're right. It was just some guy who sometimes reports on yeah like islanders stuff. had some level of credentials and now it's it's like five days and nothing's happened so it's like all right i don't know it's all very strange hopefully he's not a podcaster <laughs> with 700 followers or anything like that because that means we could hey. break news baby hey hey thank you for that everyone by the way thanks for getting us to 700 we haven't really just kind of stumbled upon that the other day we're like wow so thank you for that. We are, it's like the march to a thousand. Mm-hmm. Get us there. Tell your friends. <laughs> Tell your friends about our fire and then, tweets and <laughs> and all, the, and how we banner with Oilers fans and things like that. I think that'll help. It's good. It's good. All um, right. Let's get into some contracts then. Since that, let's get. Kinda... Should we start with King stuff first or around the league stuff first? Let's start with Kings because King yeah. is pretty simple. The last time we recorded, Adrian Kempe had not signed yet. Mm-hmm. That's how long it's been, folks. Since you Sorry. Heard our, since you heard our majestic voices. Our sultry tones. But the juice is once again loose in Los Angeles. Resigned. Four years, five and a half per. That's about where I think most people projected mm-hmm. the, the cap hit to be. I think maybe some people thought the it would be more years, but it takes him to 
30 years old and I'm okay with it. Uh, yeah. The next contract he signs after this one, he'll be 30 years old once he starts playing. So this basically takes him into the end of his 20s. And the next time he starts playing, which would be in 26, 27, he would be 30 years old by the beginning of that season. Correct. He will be 26 in September. Yes. 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 Ooh. All right. So <laughs> math. So <laughs> I think I think five and a half by five or whatever was like what everyone was. I don't care. Like whatever. At this point, I, I'm not going to sit there and do a 60 minute podcast about that fifth year. I'm good with it. I think it's exactly kind of where we wanted it to be, where we expected it to be. Yeah. I think if he hit free agency, even though he's not in his free, he's not in his UFA years. You would, you have to think that's going six and a half and over. Someone's going to pay him. Yeah. And, and the other interesting thing, and this is kind of graphically just looking at it now on cap friendly, um, it creates a nice staggering actually of when these guys go UFA. Cause say for example, he had signed for a fifth year, him and Dano would be UFA the same year. Um, uh, as it stands right now, um, uh, Kopi and Arvidsson, well, I guess I should go farther back. So Trevor Moore will be a UFA after after this upcoming season. And then after that, uh, Kopitar and Arvidsson are UFA in 24-25, which is crazy to think about that Kopitar has actually played out that enormous contract he signed already. Um, and then after that, Alex Iafalo's deal is up, then Kempi, then Dino. So there's like this this nice staggering and then Fiala's like off the charts now, you know, so don't even worry about him. But I, I think it's, I think maybe it was somewhat purposefully perhaps, I don't know, but I always find that if you have a little bit of staggering like that, you don't have to worry too much about too many pieces getting shuffled from one season to the next. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's uh, I think it allows you to project a little better. Um, yeah tackle one problem at a time so to speak not to put a negative spin on it but yeah that's logically speaking that's more manageable i think than loading up and having four or five big ufas in one right. in one summer because if, if your season before that isn't good <laughs> that's mm-hmm. you know that opens the door for multiple exits at once yeah whereas yeah. any given season can turn the fortunes of a team and you're, it's 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 risk aversion, I think, more than anything. Right. And hopefully, you know, if the Kings are going to accomplish anything with this current group of players, it's going to happen likely within the next two to three years. I feel like. Uh, if you look at the at, at the veteran players they've brought in, other than the veteran mm-hmm. core they have, yeah, that does make sense. That for the likes of Dano Arvidsson, to a lesser degree Fiala you're looking at probably that window where they can mm-hmm. really do the most damage. At least that uh, particular veteran group can do the most damage. So a couple other signings, Jared mm-hmm. Anderson, Dolan, Gabe Velarde, Brendan Lemieux. Brendan Lemieux is another and, one. Uh, and Leah Anderson too. Yes. Yes. Um, any surprises there? Um, you know, I think some people were, I think the Lemieux one's interesting. 
because obviously they didn't qualify him as an RFA. And then they brought him back after not qualifying him. And I think they ended up giving him, I don't know, like a hundred grand or 200 grand less than what his qualifying offer would be. I think the qualifying offer was going to be like 1.5 and they ended up bringing him back for 1.35. Um, I, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that because I think that there was a reason why they went and they got Lemieux and he brings something very unique to the lineup, which has its pros and its cons, certainly. But we, we talked about him a lot of times last season that when he was playing his game effectively, he was a good player for this team. He was, he was chipping in offensively. He was agitating, um, you know, looking beyond him biting Brady Kachuk and all the stuff that came with that, you, you take the good with the bad a little bit, but the good when he was good was, was great. And I think it was a very unique thing that as of right now, there's no one else in the lineup who can play that agitator, you know, fourth line role and still chip in offensively, at least from what I can see in the lineup and, and in the prospect pool. I think last season, way more positives than negatives with Brendan Lemieux. Uh, mm -hmm. unlike the previous season where it just felt like he didn't he wasn't focused or he just wasn't playing good hockey and well he came mid-season yes. you know it was not the same thing certainly not but I mean you you can only judge by what you see and I thought I we said it all season we saw a completely different player this past season uh, someone that's helping the team more than hurting um, mm -hmm. you mentioned the bite hey I had already forgotten about it, so <laughs> so that's a good sign, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, happy, yeah. obviously, that Gabe Velarde gets qualified. I think we all kind of expected that to happen. I think this is it. Here we go. Here we go, Gabe. It's it's a big season for a lot of these guys, man. I think it's a it's a big season for Gabe. It's a big season for Elias. It's a big season for Jad. Um, we forgot Grundstrom. Grundstrom got sure, yeah. a tidy little raise, 1.3 times two years, and I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. I think that's a good deal for him, and I think his performance in the playoffs, hopefully that carries through and gives him the confidence to be a nice third-line player that we know he can be. Um, I, I'm, I'm happy they brought these guys back. And it's it, look, it wasn't a done deal. I, I thought there was a strong possibility that Velarde in particular would get traded um and hell you're some teams around the league didn't even qualify some rfas you know like as crazy as it sounds and looking past chicago who really didn't qualify anyone because they're full-on in <laughs> full-on tank mode already <laughs> but you know it wouldn't have shocked me if they traded Velarde instead of signing him i guess is what i'm saying so it is nice to see him actually come back. It is. Uh, but I really do think this is specifically for him. Obviously the most important season of his pro career, but I think it's it might be the most important season to set up his future as well as a pro, whether that mm -hmm. be here, whether that be elsewhere, because now you're at a point where he has to have an, an impact season I expect him to make the team. Mm -hmm. He's at a crossroads, I think, in his career as a as a hockey player and probably as a person as well. So I'm mm -hmm. really like, I'm excited to see 
what he does because the skill is there. We always, I don't think anyone ever doubted that. But I would, I'm very curious to see what he does with his back against the wall, so to speak, in a situation where he has to perform, in a situation where he has to be all in. And I think him, him and his representation probably at this point recognize that he's got to empty the tank this season so that there isn't he, – he's got to leave nothing for the team to nitpick at. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And it's this is definitely the season where if he doesn't – play well you you become shift you shift yourself from oh high potential first round pick to reclamation project so to speak you know what i mean because i don't think that they'll i don't think the kings will give him another season to prove himself if it doesn't happen this year i think at that point he's gonna have to probably look for work elsewhere and get traded for pennies on the dollar and and hope to become whatever his potential was somewhere else and you're gonna you know you're gonna hear all those choice uh words that some other teams do when they pick up players of his caliber you know and change of scene and a lot of potential still there you know still only 23 (laughs) those kinds of things so i think he's i think he's looking to avoid that kind of uh, off season next year. Yeah, it goes without saying. Uh, Jared Anderson Dolan, a player, another player I've always liked. I question where he's going to play in the lineup at this point. Yeah. He, he is. He will be on waivers if the Kings choose to send him down. He's not waiver exempt, so that makes it interesting. I mean, if you look at potential lines, it looks like he might be the extra forward if he makes the team. Leas Anderson, same deal. Uh, he might be. I look at Leas and, and I'm. I almost expect him to go on waivers at the beginning of the season. I I kind of don't expect him to make the team, and I. So that's I think a risk the Kings are gonna have to take. But, I mean, all of a sudden there isn't much wiggle room on this roster. For Jerry Anderson, Dolan, and Gabe Velarde, it they've got to outplay certain players at this point to be consistent fixtures in the lineup. And that's what I'm excited about for both of them, because I believe in both of them. I think Anderson Dolan's work ethic, I think Velarde's skill. I want to see what that looks like with the volume cranked all the way up and a complete buy-in. So Kupari is is in the mix to have a a fourth-line role. I think your third-line set, your second-line set, your first-line set – and now it's just a matter of who's going to play with Quentin Byfield on a nightly basis, right? Like that's the that's the big question, or or Blake Lazat, I should say, who's going to play with that fourth line center? I think Lazat's a lock. So, and it, it's going to be between Velarde, Lemieux, Kupari, and Jared Anderson Dolan, essentially. So, I expect kind of a dog fight, a good one. Yeah, and also keeping in mind that of those guys that you mentioned, uh, Byfield uh, and Kupari would be the two that could go down to Ontario without having to pass through waivers. Uh, Kaliev also, if you're looking at forwards, but I feel like Kaliev's pretty much a lock. Like, I, there's there's no reason to send him down. Um, and I think the Kings have cleared some room in the forward ranks for these guys to kind of to kind of show what they have and don't have going for them here. 
you know, uh, no re-signing of Athanasiu, no bringing in another veteran winger or anything like that. It's basically tryouts. Yeah. And I, and I think that's a good, it's a good thing to have in training camp because like I said, there are so many spots already kind of locked up that you never want to go into a training camp telling telling these kids or these players that, hey, you're all fighting for like, maybe one spot and it's going to be the 23rd player on the roster. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And and I'm not, again, I'm still not completely convinced that there won't be a trade or like you said, maybe a waving of someone because they are, they're like right up against the cap. They've got two RFAs. Right. Exactly. With two fairly, you know, for them, fairly significant RFAs to sign here. They have, one and a half million in cap space and granted they can go 10% over that in the off season. They just have to be cap compliant by the time the season starts. But I'm guessing that this isn't as simple as, okay, Mikey gets, you know, Mikey gets a million and Dorsey gets a million and then we figure it out. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, there's clearly something going on here with the negotiations that is not making signing these two guys as easy and straightforward as you would think so uh, it's still i still very much think that there will be a trade or a waving or something that gets this team uh cap compliant um and again i guess theoretically you could bury salaries in the minors right like you're sending a couple of these guys down but i don't think that that's how they want to operate necessarily no, especially because I don't think Mikey Anderson's getting a million. I don't either. I and think I, I think and I don't think Sean Dursey's getting a million. So if you're if you're talking about giving those guys more than that, you're looking at longer contracts. So right. they have to be a priority in these in your entire vision for your roster. They they're kind of like priority players, so yeah. I don't think I don't think you want to mess around and, and piss off the representation or, or make these players feel like you know they're getting lowballed in any way or or you know you took the easiest way out with them. All these factors that could come into play, right? So you want to avoid that, you want to do right by them, you want to give them fair deals, and you want to make sure they understand that they're in your long-term plans because the way Rob Blake was talking about Sean Dersey, it sure sounded like he's he's at least in the immediate future going to be part of this team for longer than a season, certainly, or at least they, that's what they want. So when yeah. you got players like that and, and you want to show them the right commitment, you can't play those games. Yeah, I agree. And, and I think in particular, Mikey, you know, the way that Dowdy and everyone else has talked about him, it's, you know, you're talking a three four-year deal potentially and i think if you're going to ask this guy to sign a three four-year deal you're not going to get away with paying him a million dollars for that no especially not when what, yeah roy and walker what they're making yeah and and not when you know it takes a very limited google search to figure out that his defensive metrics were quite good and with a healthy dowdy would enable drew to have the kind of season that he was on pace to have last year before he got hurt, you know? So uh, these agents are not stupid. <laughs> these players are not stupid. Uh, 
I, I don't think there's any there's any reason to lowball these guys. You just have to figure out a way to make it all fit. And you might need to get rid of someone who's less important, whoever you decide that may be. So I think I think in that sense, the Leah signing might be a bit surprising now that we're kind of talking about it all. You know, I think, uh, yes, it's only 750,000. It's not much. But when you're talking about how tight you are against the cap, that, that ends up being, you know, fairly significant. So we'll see. We'll see. I'm not totally ruling out an Alex Iafalo trade, I guess is what I'm saying. The Iafalo thing is like something that doesn't go away from my mind. Just because of, logistically speaking, obviously all, all the stuff we just mentioned, cap-wise and all that, it, it's just such a logical kind of move for, for a guy that seems like he's being pushed out of the top six a mm-hmm. little bit. But at the same time, I feel like Quentin Byfield needs him on his wing, even though I have no evidence of that whatsoever that it would right, right. would work. But to have like a Byfield, Kaliev, and let's say Velarde line, I just feel like yeah, I get I get palpitations just thinking of that. <laughs> it's you know you're you're telling those three guys like figure it out. We're not we're not really giving you anything that will support your your next steps, the next steps that we expect from you. It makes more sense to have Aya follow there, have that veteran yeah. presence, have, you know, a guy who has two rounds of playoff experience now, you know. It, He's defensively sound. I mean, Right, right. He'll chip in, right? He, he worked with Kopitar. I mean, he was playing with Kopitar for seasons, multiple seasons. Terrific on the forecheck when he's healthy, willing to do, to do kind of the heavy lifting. And when you look at that line, I feel like he kind of compliments Byfield and and Kalia if they, if that is the line. So I'm I'm of two minds. It's like it seems like he's the obvious target to move and clear up that cap space and make sure you lock in these guys, or give yourself some flexibility at the deadline. Uh, even though I think there's an automatic cushion at the deadline, he seems like the easiest guy to move. But at the same time, I think you got to have him there, man. I I, I think you got to have him there early, at least early in the season. So, so yeah, that he can I mean, support don't, those young guys. Well, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not. I, I, I don't want to move him. I, I like having a guy like that on the team that you can shuffle up and down the lineup, and and you know we for years we had Trevor Lewis on this team because you could do that with him, right? And I follow. No disrespect to Trevor Lewis is a more talented player offensively than Trevor Lewis is defensively responsible like Trevor Lewis was. Obviously, Trevor Lewis playing center, taking face-offs, I follow being a wing, but he's he's that perfect Swiss Army knife kind of winger that you can move up and down the lineup. And honestly, Trevor Moore is that kind of guy too. He just happens to find a home with, with Danone Arvidsson now, and you can't imagine that line being anything different, right? But lines go through slumps you know players go up and down and so trust me i i don't i don't want to move i follow these is a very very valuable player but that's also why he's, he would be the most likely candidate to go is because he is that kind of valuable player and it's i i don't know i i guess i'd like to see 
something something happened that that doesn't have to be the move that's made, I guess. But everything that I thought wouldn't happen, things like, okay, they didn't they didn't qualify Brendan Lemieux because they needed the cap space. I understood that. Oh, okay, they're not going to sign Leah Anderson because they need the cap space. And then they went ahead and they did both of those things. And now I'm just like, well, I, I don't know what what the strategy is here. We'll have to wait and see. But I do yeah. know that the Jersey and Anderson contracts have to be top of mind right now for the for the Kings. And I'm sure they're working on it right now as we're recording this, as you're listening to this. So hopefully we get the news on that pretty soon. Another young Kings defenseman, kind of in the news, in Brand Clark. And the World Junior Championship, his second go-around, <laughs> trying to make that team. And this is the August team. Yes, there are Correct. two tournaments in this beautiful year. Four months apart. <laughs> Four months apart because of COVID. He doesn't make the team again. And I was pretty stunned by that. Yeah, I, I think I think a lot of people were. Um, and I heard some some logical explanations as to why. Because so obviously, uh, uh, Owen Power uh, not going to be playing in the August tournament because I'm guessing, you know, some discussion with Buffalo that they didn't want him playing so close to starting training camps, and uh, and uh, I'm gonna I'm blanking on the other player, but there was one other player, um, basically in a similar situation essentially, and. Instead of that opening a spot for Brent Clark to slip in, two other players <laughs> take that spot. Um, and those other players who take the spot are actually 20 years old. So this would be their last opportunity to uh, to actually play in the World Juniors. And so maybe that's part of the logic. Um, or the other part that I heard is those two players were actually hurt initially when the team was made for the prior December tournament. And so had they not been hurt, then they would have been on the roster anyway. And so now, uh, now they can be on it. Whatever, however you want to slice it. It's like something about Brent Clark, for whatever reason, made the Canadian brass think that he is not amongst the top, not even eight at this point, top 10 Canadian defenseman under the age of 20, which is stunning from a talent standpoint. But, (laughs) you know, there's enough bad news out there regarding the Canadian World Junior teams of the past. And so maybe, maybe this is a blessing in disguise for our boy Brent. I did watch some clips from the scrimmages and whatnot you shared a couple with me Mm -hmm. he is an ugly skater (laughs) like there's just no way around it like it just looks like something's wrong or not wrong that sounds like he's injured or something it just doesn't look smooth but in the clips i watched no one was getting to their to the correct spot faster than bran clark i don't know how to describe like We'll get to see it, obviously, in the near future more often, but it looks like when Bambi got on the ice the first time, <laughs> ex- except imagine, except imagine uh... that, that form with like this 
fluid movement. Right. And just ability if, to, to go anywhere they want, if, anytime. If Bambi's upper half had like the craziest <laughs> forest sense <laughs> known to deers. I'm really leaning into this analogy. But yeah, he just... His hockey IQ is so evident in, in the short or the small amount of videos that I've seen. You, it looks like he, he's not a good skater, but he is a good skater by virtue of the fact that he he's always in the right spot. He's smooth. His edge work looks fine. It just something just looks off with him. And he's like, and I love that. By the way, I love that. I love when you see an athlete and you're just like, it's not, this is not what's supposed to happen, but it's happened. Wayne Gretzky was like that. I know that's a big lofty kind of name to bring up, or it's not sure. a comparison, but when you watch them, you're just like, what's happening is not supposed to happen just based on his physical abilities. So like, he's like a unicorn, Brand Clark. And, and, and I love that about him. And it just makes me like him more. Yeah, I, I I watched a lot of the same clips, and it, it looks like beer league skating, if I'm being honest. Like, it looks like he's going to fall with every stride that he's taking. And I realize I'm saying that about a future NHL defenseman who's maybe the 11th best <laughs> Canadian. Canadian under 20 defenseman. I don't know. Well, no. But, are, you, uh, are you counting power and what is it? Ghoul? Oh, yes. Yes. They would be because the, <laughs> that's the eight in the roster okay. plus the two that were discarded. Gotcha. You're right. Yes. Yes. Brand's number 11. Just not, not good enough. Um, but that's exactly how it looked like. I mean, it was just, I was watching. I was like, oh, he's going to fall. Nope. Nope. There he goes. And, you know, just knock need the whole way through but like you said he's he's getting to where he needs to be he's and a lot of those times those places that he's getting to are places that no one else is so you know who am i to judge i'm just a dude sitting in front of his computer so no i'm just same here but like when you watch him if you squint your eyes and just make it blurry you're like wow like what a magnificent skater this guy right. like he's moving he's right like he's but when you open, when you go back and focus, you're just like, oh yeah, it looks kind of, yeah, it looks kind of choppy. It looks kind of ugly. Well, that's the thing, right? Like the Kings have had many a terrible skater. You know, they still have many a terrible skater. You know, I I remember watching Milan Lucic plod up and down the ice, <laughs> and I was like, good lord. But those are bad skaters in the sense that like they just look like they're working so hard with every single stride and they're not getting anywhere it's not a fluid motion there's nothing necessarily wrong with the stride it's just not not getting them anywhere for whatever the reasons are um his is interesting because it looks like the stride should get him nowhere it looks like he should yeah, not be yeah. moving anywhere at all it should just be like random lateral movements that are not propelling him forward and yet he's getting absolutely everywhere he needs to be backwards forwards around circling and it just looks like he's gonna fall every step of the way but he doesn't it's still effortless with him that's the thing like you mentioned effortless chaos <laughs> yeah you mentioned like lucic and if you want to go back like robitaille whatever they just look like they're working so hard and it's just like a chore <laughs> to, to get to where they yeah, they look to like be. I look when I'm skating. Yeah, or me. 
But <laughs> head down, just pumping hard. Yeah, but I, blue line to blue line. Well, he's just he's he's fascinating. He's a fascinating player to watch. And I can't wait to watch him more because I know like I'm not gonna be able to take my eyes off of him. And just for the first season of his career, I'm probably just gonna be like, what is how is this happening? Why is this happening? Right. <laughs> like the way, but he's so smart, like whatever, man. I, I don't think he's going to make the Kings roster, obviously, with the way the D's kind of set up. And you still got Toby, even though he, Toby can go to Ontario. Right. But I just don't see it. So I don't suspect that's the reason. Well, I'd like to see a couple preseason games. That'd be nice. Of course, and I think we will. But just, yeah, I just don't see, you know, between them signing Edler, that's another one, right? Like, it's right. like, I, right. I did not ex- expect that. With Walker seemingly penciled in on the left side, I was like, okay, that means we're going Anderson, Dowdy, Walker, Roy, and who, who am I missing? Jersey. Jersey. Um, Edler now. And then you still have Spence, Bjornfoot. And, and Bjornfoot was there. Right. And right. Toby was there and Spence was there. And, and I'm pretty high on Spence. I think everyone is. And right. I still have a lot of faith in toby so i was just like yeah also keep in mind moverare is not uh, is is not waiver exempt so right, they, right. they signed moverare to a two-year deal <laughs> so yeah exactly so i just don't see how brand clark's on the roster opening night although if he you know blows everyone out of the water i'm sure they have no issue waving jacob moverare at that right. point or whoever uh but yeah, I think for the most part, this roster is set. And and I'm excited for it because, you know, last time we talked about it, we were talking about what the Pacific was going to look like and what the odds are of the Kings making the playoffs with certain teams still improving. I thought Seattle was going to have a much better roster this time around. And this was before the draft, by the way. We haven't even talked about the Kings draft picks, which we can get into a little bit later. But um, Seattle... You know, having Shane Wright fall to them. My God. I mean, just what a what a come up on their from their standpoint, right? Maddie Beneers played ten games at the end of last season and had nine points. And I watched some of those highlights. He's he's gonna be a force, man. He is just you wanna talk about a guy who immediately showed comfort. Maddie Beneers is gonna be something. So you throw him and Shane Wright together now. Seattle's made a few moves in the offseason, signed a couple guys themselves. I think they have a much better team than they did last season. And uh, Edmonton Edmonton brought back... Uh, well, oh the best thing that happened to Edmonton is Duncan Keith retired. Yes, 100%. 100%. And then slapped, uh, slapped the cap hit to Chicago, right? Isn't that how it ended up happening? Correct. Or did it hit Edmonton? No, the penalty goes to yeah. Chicago. Um, right. and, and all they really did is just retain their players um, outside yeah. of goal where they well Kulak a... they they resigned Kulak who right. uh, and Kane could have gone yeah right and Kane and then there was much discussion about what Puliarvi was going to do and he signed for three million um, they they moved um, Zach Cassian great move and then obviously I mean great move that? now even though it was a horrible contract that they signed them to. But, yes, but they had to move that. They had to move that money out for Jack Campbell, obviously, and that's yes. that's the big 
kind of acquisition. Right. That's a big upgrade for them. Huge upgrade. Huge upgrade. Doesn't get enough love. Now you got a guy in goal that's going to just do what you want him to do and not allow stupid ass goals or throw the puck up the boards or right. just become a distraction to your team every game, every night, which is what the previous goaltender was. So good on them, man. He's going to make the routine saves. He's going to give him a chance to win. So they're better. Right. That's right. Uh, sorry. S- Seattle signed uh, Burakovsky. That's what I was thinking of. Sure. I don't think Seattle's going to make the playoffs. I don't think you're you maybe not, but they're I don't not think you were yeah, I don't team. think yeah, I don't think you were suggesting they would make the playoffs, but they are gonna be better. Um but the two teams that seem to be still in some kind okay, let's just Calgary in a stunning offseason. The most absurd offseason. I can't remember a team losing two players that scored a hundred points ever in one off season. Especially after such a successful previous season, like they had all the good vibes, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. And just wild. So Johnny Gaudreau goes to Columbus in a complete blindsight. Like everyone was pointing at certain teams. Philly kept coming up for, he wants to be closer to home. I'm not completely sure where home is for for him. You might know, but New Jersey area. It sounds okay. Like. So the Devils were in were in there too. Devils, Flyers. Right. It was down to the wire, and no one was really mentioning Columbus. And he goes to Columbus, and it's just like, yeah, they were always on my like they were near the top of my list. Well, the funny time. thing is, you look at it's the like, interviews what? with like Yarmo and stuff, and Columbus even was like not yeah. mentioning Columbus. <laughs> Yarmo had the best quotes. He's like, when he told me, I was like, "Are you are you, are you fucking with me right now?" Yeah, like you better not be fooled. Just imagine, like, yeah, exactly. okay, JD, stop screwing around. I got work to do here. Yeah, come on, stop it with the prank calls. Yeah, no one wants to go to Columbus. Everyone wants to leave Columbus. Historically, uh, but a much needed W for Yarmo, right? Like. From all indications, from all indications, a great dude, a good GM. He was a scout. He was great at that. And I'll, I'll always remember him in like those draft specials, the behind the scenes stuff. And he was just so well-spoken, such a smart guy. Right, he, he's, St. Louis. He's, yeah, he's actually, his deals have been good. He signed the right players. He's acquired, I shouldn't say signed because that doesn't happen very often, but he's acquired the right guys. They just happen to leave. And in fact, right. the last time I I just mentioned, when was the last time 200-point guys left? I, did, I remember the summer where Panarin and Bobrovsky left, and that was like a gut punch for that team. So right. really happy. I think Johnny Gaudreau, you got to respect the guy. for This is a ballsy move. And I think he – it's a big statement by him. He doesn't just help the organization by joining them for on-ice success. Him signing with Columbus is like such a positive PR kind of move for that team. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like for him to come out and say, I chose this is such a positive. So I, I was, you know, after kind of the shock wore off, I was like, good, good for them. Good for everybody involved, except Calgary. Obviously. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I hold no ill will towards Columbus, especially since they have been directly responsible for 
two of our cups due to due to the players they gave us nice assists. Um, we appreciate nice you. assists thank you thank you guys um and the truth is you know i i i texted you earlier today about how arizona is going to be playing in like a five thousand person college arena mm-hmm. and calling that home and the the league still keeps trying to make that work meanwhile you have a market that should by all indications be a solid hockey market in ohio in the midwest with natural rivalries against teams in michigan and surrounding states and this poor freaking franchise just you know couldn't get a win just couldn't get a win like you mentioned and they've had great players come and they've had great players leave and I I think it's I think it's good for them. I think it's good for the league. I really do. It's it's nice to not have these guys just constantly go to the same damn teams over and over again. It sucks for Calgary, like you mentioned. Um but ultimately that's the point of free agency is for the for the player to make a decision as to what's going to be best for him in his own personal situation. Now, the bigger move <laughs> I think was the Matthew Kachuk trade because that is man that hurts a bona fide blockbuster oh. trade like a oh. true you stop, stop every tra- yeah, yeah stop everything get on Twitter text your friends right explain to your friend who watches <laughs> basketball in basketball terms what this means yeah and they're and they're like oh yeah that happens every season in the nba you're like shut up yeah and they're like why couldn't they just opt out and i'm just like yeah. no <laughs> no <laughs> no wait he doesn't have a player clause what are you talking about <laughs> no yeah kachuk goes to florida the main pieces coming back are uh huberto and mackenzie Weger and more <laughs> by the way right a great haul for calgary honestly if you yes. just you break it down like they got a they replaced Matthew Kachuk and they, they replaced him with a hundred point player. Right. Older guy, sure, but well the guy was on fire. Huberto was outstanding last season for Florida. Yeah, Huberto's Huberto's actually a better replacement for get for Goudreau, Goudreau if you think yeah. about it. Yeah. Um but the problem is then you didn't replace Kachuk. Correct. Right? You didn't so there no matter how you slice it, as great as that trade was, they are not in good shape, I think, because now you're hearing that Huberto's all unhappy, not thrilled to well, go not to with Calgary. Calgary, but like yeah, with a trade. Well, he's uh, yeah, yeah, being traded. But I mean, what I mean is he's he's mopey right now, and and or he's hope, motivated, or he or he'll become motivated. That's what that's I think what your hope is if you're Calgary is that he gets right. a chip on his shoulder and comes in and and also I mean. Mackenzie Weger is not chop liver. I mean, the dude well, absolutely not. Is, is a number one defenseman. I know we kind of joked about him earlier in the year. Dude, look at his numbers. Look I, at his numbers. Sure. I In numbers-wise, he's putting up top-pairing numbers. That's what I'm saying. But I, I don't think he's a top-pairing defenseman. On this team, he is. Well, because he probably he is on a lot of teams. He has to be. But I think he would be a top-pairing defenseman on most teams, honestly. Maybe. I'm not going to concede. <laughs> okay. Maybe. Okay. My point is that, like, 
Yes, you don't replace Kachuk because Kachuk is another unicorn player, right? He's the ultimate creative power forward who's not, you know, a lumbering giant down the ice. He he moves, he's a contributor on his own right. So that's that's not a player you easily replace. Um, and I respect the hell out of Florida for, for going after that because that's also the kind of player that, that they don't have, right? Like that's the type of playoff warrior persona that I think they were lacking. And I think they felt that with how easily they were eliminated in the playoffs this season, you know? You can't keep looking at your neighbors in the same state, winning back-to-back cups and making it to three straight Stanley Cup finals and not start wondering what is it that we we don't have that they do. I agree. I have so much respect for Florida for tar- just identifying what they want and just being like, what's it going to take? We're going to get this done today. I, I really do. Like, you don't see that very often with teams. Um, will it work? Will it not? Remains to be seen. But it's a big swing, and, and you got to respect that. And But it's also a logical move on their part. Looking beyond just the type of player that they got, I think they were just looking at, you know, Huberto's on the last year of, of his current deal. He's age 29. He's making $5.9 million for this next year. You know he's, he's going to get nine plus when he resigns and he's going to be thirties and you know, like they're looking at that and going, okay, thank you for everything you do. But do I really want to pay someone that kind of money when I can get a guy who's 24 years old and plays a very different game with similar numerical results? It's, it's, it's ballsy, but it's also strategically sound. It is. Uh, they did lose more than Huberto and Uyghur. I think they lost Mason Marchment. That's going to hurt. I don't. I think they're worse than last year. I'm being totally honest with you, but they're not really our concern. Who yeah. is who is yeah. our concern is the Vegas Golden Knights. Yes. And I think they're done. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say. It. I think it's over. And it's not because they traded Max Pacioretty, but I think for basically nothing for not for straight up for nothing <laughs> straight up nothing just you know I was being complimentary, but you're right. Please take our player. It's because they've completely lo- they've lost the plot completely. We've we've said this yeah. before that they had lost the plot, but now it's just like they're in big time scramble mode. They're all they're trying to do is survive. They're just trying to ice a team basically right now that's compliant, not only in in financials, but probably just number of bodies on the ice. Yeah, I mean, as of right now, they only have nine forwards yeah. that are signed. And they're 1.3 million over the cap after yeah. moving out a hefty contract. Right. So... Right. I think my overall feeling is just it can't be a, a fun place to be right now for those players. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they took on Shea Weber's salary just to LTIR him and get some cap relief in that regard. Like, they're they're up against it like crazy. And, you know, they're, again, 
now one injury away to Mark Stone or someone like that, which very, very possibly could happen. It's again, I'm not going to count them out. I think they're, they still have too much talent to not be a threat, but this is also, I agree with you exactly the kind of team where you look at it on paper and you go, Oh, they're totally going to make it. And then it just never clicks. I'm, I'm going to ask you something. Who is this talent that Hmm. you speak of? The talented players? I mean, I know Mark Stone. Stone, Eichel, Marcia So, Shea Theodore. Those are talented guys, man. They are, but I don't think they have a lot of talent anymore. That's just me. Hmm. I think Chandler Stevenson has to be your top top line left wing right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think William Carlson, he is what he is. Yes. You're banking on Riley Smith to have or to continue being. Yeah, Riley Smith, who thought he was done, is now yeah. back to being. <laughs> and their bottom six, dude, come on, man. What there the... is no bottom six. The... So I There's think. There's a bottom three at the moment. Yeah, I think if, if you know, top heavy, you could call them that, but I just, I think they've. I think they're done. I think they're in free fall and they know it. And at some point, I think some of these guys are going to be like, yeah, I want to be traded from this shit show. I mean, we'll see, man. There was, um, there was that athletic article that came out and, you know, they were one of the teams that was kind of listed as a, as a place that some, it was like agents, they had polled agents basically. And, very possible that one of those patient agents was Alan Walsh. <laughs> Just saying, um, he of uh, he of sweet memes of swords going through goalies' backs. He commissioned a goddamn fucking I know digital painting. <laughs> Respect the hell out of him for that. But um, but yeah, I think they are developing this reputation of being a team that will drop you like a bad habit the second that you're no longer useful to their agenda you know what i mean absolutely i know we've been talking about it for two years yeah yeah and it's and it's not just us and it's nice that we're not the only ones noticing it that it that's not you know oh but the real insiders know that they're a great team and everyone loves it's like no man you're nothing to them (laughs) you're absolutely nothing to them they have no respect for you you're a commodity you know They'll, they won't even call you an Uber to take you to the airport. Factual speaking. <laughs> like, they'll fire your ass via text. I'm like, come on. Uh, interestingly enough, to kind of bring it back to the Kings, Sinbin, Ken, who covers uh, the Golden Knights yeah. via, via Sinbin on Twitter. Well, I have a ton of respect for him, yeah, by like, the way. I think, like I think he's, yeah. He's the man. Uh, Sinbin Duck uh, and runs Sinbin... Yes, I forget what their website is at this point. Doesn't matter. Um, He did a Western Conference division projection. Oh yeah. On Twitter, and he had the Kings in first. Interesting. He had Edmonton in second, Calgary in third, and Vegas in fourth for the Pacific. Uh, He has Dallas winning the Central, then Colorado, then St. Louis, then Mini, which is. Interesting. Right, maybe he's he's you know <laughs> he's just messing around. Yeah. Uh, 
But he did but say I, Vegas in the playoffs as the eighth seed. Yeah. I, I do think, I do think as things stand today, with certainly some UFA still out there and, you know, Nazem Kadri <laughs> and, and some other guys still being out there, but as things stand today, I feel way better oh, about hell the yes. Kings' chances in the Pacific. Oh, dude. Way better. Absolutely. I, I'll never say that they're going to win the Pacific because they never win the Pacific, but... I feel substantially better about their playoff chances. Yeah, and, and it was worrisome towards the end of the season, like you mentioned, just because Calgary looked like such a juggernaut, and you right. assumed Vegas would figure something out and and kind of bring back most of their roster um, and, and just squeak into the playoffs like they weren't going anywhere. But I, I've changed my tune on that. Vancouver's still there, right? You're wondering if a season, a full season of Brucey is going to catapult them higher up in the standings but they're not a whole lot better than they were last season i mean again i think i think they had the right pieces and it just wasn't coming together because the whole travis green era was was just not coming together for various reasons but I think. Did they sign? Did JT Miller resign? I think he still has a year left. Oh, he has he? a year left. Okay, because there was trade, right? They were talking about trading him. Yes. Yes. So he still has a year left. So he'll. Right, he'll be, and they brought there. on, and they brought, um, they brought Ilya Mikheyev on, from. Yeah. Good. Toronto. Good deal. You, good you know, like middle six kind of guy. Good player. They signed the uh, Kuzmenko from the K. Right. So they're kind of, I don't know what they're doing. They're experimenting. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're experimenting. They're, they're trying some stuff out here. So there's still a question mark. They'll be better, I'm sure, but. I, I guess that's you- what I'm saying. I, I, I Now the other teams, Edmonton notwithstanding, seem like bigger question marks to me. And I feel more confident and what the Kings are bringing to the table compared to those other teams. Same Z's. Yeah. Um, um, this was a good, the entire free agency process was just good stuff for the Kings. Just a good day. Yeah. Just, I was just like, I this is it. great. They acquire, they, they acquire Fiala. They sit out free agency essentially and just watch the world around them burn while they're in a safe cocoon. It was, I loved it. I enjoyed it very much. It was the most relaxing offseason I think <laughs> I think I've had in years. I mean, the Kings just came to the draft table, made their picks ever so quietly, went home, and then just went stand-up paddle surfing probably with the boys. and <laughs> Yeah, and just planning Dustin Brown's retirement. Right, there you go. Statues and whatnot. <laughs> Love that. And, and uh, the, apparently very controversial to extremely to a bunch of people God. who are not Kings fans. <laughs> yeah. Just, and who don't, don't realize that he's already had a statue there for <laughs> for four years or something. Uh, uh, it's like, but he's not Guy Lafleur. <laughs> come on, guys. It's like, yeah, man, <laughs> he's not. <laughs> anyway, I, stupidity. This is why we. This is why fan bases 
draw our ire, certain fan bases. Just, we don't need your opinion. No one asked for it. It's also just not a good opinion. Like, it's an un, it's an un, un, uneducated one. Like, I don't even understand. The guy was the captain for the, for the team that won the cup twice. The first time in franchise history. He played his entire career with this team. Like, Not good enough. How do you question whether or not a, a statue is deserving or not when everyone else I mean go to any Kings game how many Dustin Brown jerseys do you see <laughs> you, yeah. you mean to tell me like these people are going to complain about a Dustin Brown statue it's just silly stuff silly silly stuff anyway speaking of jerseys yeah Adidas no longer to be the official jersey and memorabilia supplier of the NHL after 2023, I believe. Mm-hmm. Good riddance, <laughs> in my opinion. They did nothing with that man. I'm, I'm, I'm particularly sensitive to this because we talked about this before. One of our list episodes was kind of things that we'd like to see changed in the NHL, and and one of the big things that I brought up on multiple levels was that the merchandising with the league and the and the cross promotion um, was just awful. And remained awful. It's always been awful, man. It has been. And now I'm not saying that I want it to be to the caliber of the NFL and the NBA where every team's got 15 different jerseys where color schemes don't make any damn sense. But Why? I would love... Would you? We, so in that, <clears throat> in that list episode, I did mention that I, I, what I would like to see is like eight different jerseys in a given season. Just wear them. Make Interesting. You, like keep your like your primary and stuff sure like keep it clean and and wear it more often than not but like in one given season why can't the kings wear the 67 jersey no no see that's fine that's okay that's okay what i mean is like they've got these city edition jerseys right right? yes yes in the but even that if they do it if they do a good job if they do a good job yeah if they do it because some NBA City jerseys are really nice. They look great. I agree. I agree. And, they look great. But but only Nike. Just, yeah, some of them suck. Yeah. But I only trust Nike to do that stuff anyway. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's basically what it comes down to now, is now the league is, is going to be back to opening up and letting these, uh, these jersey sportswear companies kind of pitch for them. Um, I think the NFL, I think the NHL is really unique in that way because it's the only league I can think of that can have a Canadian company or a very hockey centric company kind of pitch to them. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Um, so and I tweeted about this, but like, I'd be intrigued to see what, so warrior hockey is actually owned by new balance and uh, New Balance has been making quite a bit of noise for themselves over the last couple of years, really redefining their uh, their public image and and on all the you know what their products are like. And they're based out of Boston. New Balance is Warriors based out of Michigan. So two very big hockey markets. 
I would be, and they kind of have that old school flair to them that I think the NHL craves a little bit. Um, I would be intrigued to see what they would do. Although obviously from the, from the NHL standpoint, Nike remains the golden goose. Yeah. I think from a fan perspective, I think Nike's what I would hope for, but Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be opposed to a new balance. I wouldn't be opposed to an Under Armour. Oh, you don't want Under Armour, man. <laughs> that that company is is falling apart, dude. Oh, I don't know. Take it from me. I'm not as a, a as a well as a as a UCLA fan. They had a ten year contract with UCLA, and they uh, they abandoned it they, because it was just awful stuff. Like the products were terrible. Everything they were making was terrible, and, and Under Armour was the one that backed out of the deal. So it's they're they're not in a good state right now and i don't think bringing in a company like that to a league which is quite like the nhl which is so weird because they like they handle the rock stuff very well like his his merchandise and stuff they Mm -hmm. do a really good job with him so it's interesting that they would be so schizophrenic with like i think they what happened was that they tried they grew too quickly and they didn't have that same level of talent and infrastructure as as nike did mm-hmm. and you know they they gave nike a solid punch in the mouth about 10 years ago with with how quickly they came on but nike's just it's too big man it's too big and they've they've been through this for too long now they know how to punch back and when they do that like they just couldn't keep up they really just couldn't keep up. Okay, so Nike. Let's go Nike. Or, I don't know, is Big Baller brand still a thing? <laughs> Can we get the ball family Maybe. in this action? Maybe. You know, CCM is always there. I don't know how... That just seems like... <laughs> I don't know. Or Bauer. I mean, Bauer's I don't know. Bauer's always there. Yeah. Um, I just, I, my mind is goes more towards, like, the actual merchandise yeah. and, and stuff like that. Like, what would that look like? And I just feel yeah. like, I just feel like it's gotta be Nike. That's what it comes down to. Can I ask you in the last five years, what, if any Kings merch have you purchased? Uh, the only Kings merch I've purchased is from undefeated. Okay. With the yeah. collaboration that they did. Okay. Yes. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. Because it's simple enough. It's unique enough. Not all of them, by the way, some mm-hmm. of them suck, mm-hmm. but it, it's, it's more my style mm-hmm. and it doesn't feel generic. It feels like at the very least it's, it's not a mass production kind of feel to it. You know what I right. mean? Like it feels like, okay, they made some of these, they did a good job. It's a limited run. Mm-hmm. It just feels different it feels like something i'm i'd be happy to wear mm-hmm. it doesn't have to say like los angeles hockey club on it or whatever the goddamn totally hell. totally uh so that's the only thing i've even wanted to buy there's nothing nhl.com freaking forget about it bro i'm not it's all trash top to bottom so nhl like whatever they license themselves or whatever the hell it's it's not good it's never been good yeah. And I feel like the reason I 
lean towards Nike is because they at least try things that are outside the box. Mm-hmm. From th- they they'll have their generic stuff too. Don't get me wrong, but even their generic stuff is nicer than totally like the stuff we've seen over the last decade or so. So yeah, I totally agree, and that's kind of what I was driving at is that. So in my opinion, the best thing that Adidas ever did was the reverse retros. And for some teams, obviously better than others. Thankfully, the Kings, no matter who you ask, yeah. probably top two between them and the, and the Colorado slash Nordiques jersey, right? But the, and again, maybe this was again a failing in the time of COVID, et cetera, but people couldn't get those jerseys. No. The best thing that they did, people could not get those jerseys and they never restocked. And it was a constant source of frustration. And I know you wanted one of those. And eventually it's like at some point when you just can't get it, you just, you just stop caring, right? Like Correct. you, you basically, if once it goes long enough or you don't have it, then you finally become convinced that you don't need it. And then you don't want it. That's just kind of, you know, marketing and, and buying stuff in general. Um, the one thing that I have purchased that I can remember purchasing in the last five years was I got a, a reverse retro t-shirt. Oh yeah, I got a hat actually. I forgot. Oh, there you go. Okay. I got a reverse retro hat from okay. Fanatic, uh, Fanatics. Okay, but it was a Fanatics hat. Correct. It was not an Adidas hat. No. Right. Okay. So I have an Adidas reverse retro T-shirt, and that was it. That's the only thing I have, and it was the only thing that I felt compelled to buy. And that's a problem. That's a problem when two guys like us who consider ourselves huge fans of this team. And it's not like I have a closet full of King stuff, right? Like I have, I have some pieces here and there, but I bought an undefeated shirt just like you did. And I bought that reverse retro one. And, and I looked, I would go on periodically to NHL.com to Adidas. And I would see like, okay, are they gonna, I, I mean, one of the things I asked for years ago when we did this episode was make sneakers that have the team logos and the colors because Nike does that. They take their Pegasus line every year, their workout line every year, and they make them with team colors and team logos on them. And they look good. Not once did Adidas do that. I mean, it was just, they'll give you some slides, you know, some sandals. <laughs> with a, so, but it's, it's silly to me. You're like, you're, you're, you're one of the largest footwear companies in the world with an enormous catalog of shoes that you could just take this license and slap logos on them and they wouldn't do it. It was just, it was baffling stuff to me like that, which, which has always made what made me feel like they really never cared for this license in the first place. They just kind of stumbled upon it because they bought Reebok and Reebok yeah. had it and they kind of took it over and they're like, all right, well, Nike's got these leagues. Now we need something, that kind of thing. It's just, it never seemed like it worked. And so I'm excited to see what will come next. Yeah. Hopefully it's an upgrade and not a downgrade because that's right. always a possibility. Always. Um, reverse retro 2.0 apparently is a thing. It's coming. And uh, based on the mock-ups from Mayor Manor, who's usually pretty good with this stuff, I'll give him, I'll give him his credit on that. Uh, it's going to be white. It's going to essentially be the... I guess away version in this case mm-hmm. of the original reverse retro, which will look great. It, the mock-ups look great. 
mm-hmm. and I wonder if anyone's going to be able to buy them. <laughs> well, seeing as how they're coming out next year, right? Not this year? Or is it this year? I think it's this year. Okay. Well, seeing as how Adidas was already checking out, I can't imagine they're going to be... Uh... <laughs> yeah, they might They might just dustball the whole thing. Who knows? Yeah. Like, Fuck it. We're on the way out. So... <laughs> Yeah, we, I I don't mind that. I think I would still, if I were buying them and they were both next to each other, I think I'd still probably take the home, because I've I've always felt that the, pro, the purple should be a prominent color for the kings in the color scheme, yeah. and it's it's a unique representation. It's a royal color traditionally. It's a very unique color scheme. It's one that I think identifies with Los Angeles, obviously because of the success of the Lakers. And it was, it was the Kings original colors, which make more sense, honestly, for the Kings than they do for the Lakers, but that's neither here nor there. Um, and so I've, I've never liked that the purple just kind of got dropped. I understood kind of why it happened in the, in the late eighties when the Bruce McNall era came around because they were going for a total change and they didn't want to have kind of that, that Mickey mouse look almost. They wanted to be an aggressive, you know? Yeah. We don't want to be like the, we don't want to be like the Lakers. We want to be like the Raiders. The Raiders. Exactly. Exactly. Right. They fashioned themselves as a bit of like an Al Michaels, not Al Michaels. Oh my God. (laughs) Uh, Damn it. Al Davis. Al Davis. Thank you. Al Michaels. (laughs) that's funny uh but then they went completely the other direction with 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 sunglass lion and and that whole logo which was cartoonish in its own way i guess what i'm saying is that there's a there's a happy medium in there and the fact that the crown is not a prominent feature of our jerseys and that purple is not a prominent feature of our logos anymore is sad to me because the og crown in my opinion should be on the level of like the flyers flying p the 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 red wings you know winged wheel i think it has that that kind of quality to it that kind of timelessness to it that could have been and it, it just never it never gets it to do it really doesn't i agree I agree. I, I do understand the change in 1988, and I appreciate that it was changed to something that is iconic and timeless mm-hmm. in its own right. A very popular jersey, a jersey that everyone recognizes. By the way, that jersey was like ripped off from the whole Olympique junior mm. team that Luke <laughs> Robitaille was on. Mm-hmm. So Luke Robitaille actually wore that that trim in the juniors. <laughs> And then later in 1988, um, but I digress. Anyway, uh, hmm. yeah, I'm excited for the reverse retro 2.0, and I almost wouldn't mind if they, like I said earlier, mix up both. Like bring in the old reverse retro too. Wear them. Wear them on the road. Mm-hmm. Right. Wear the white one on the road. Wear the purple one at home for like five games each. That's what I want. Like. That's what I like about the NBA. Although some of the designs are atrocious, in this case, they're good designs for the Kings. So I would love to see kind of a mix and match. I don't need to see that the Palfiera jerseys anymore. I 
concede that, but I would love if they just wore both. Why not? Yeah, I agree. I think I agree there. Like, it's not a, it's not quite to the extent that what I'm talking about. Like, I, it, it, it belongs in the King's back catalog already. It's a jersey they've had. It's a jersey they've worn. And I think all you have to do is see how people responded to the reverse retros, right? Like, not just Kings fans, hockey fans in general, designers <laughs> all agreed that that reverse retro jersey was beautiful. Yeah. And it was big and purple and, you know, white logo, just garish in any other context other than this is a hockey jersey, but as a hockey jersey for a team that is known as the Kings. It was, it was beautiful. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Marty can wax poetic about a jersey. I, especially when it comes to design, man. I'm. Yeah. You and I are both very big on the aesthetics of the game, and I think that's the one thing that's that really disappoints me about the NHL is that they never. It, it's the one sport where you have goalies that that express their creativity and create works of art every single game, and yet the league itself does nothing to actually exemplify its aesthetics. They just kind of shrug. <laughs> Blows my mind. Maybe we'll talk about aesthetics in our next episode. Mayhaps. Maybe the list episode. Oh, my. Come back. All right. What episode are we on, Vardy? Uh, that's an excellent question. It's been so long. It's been 84 years. Hold on one second. It's episode 88. 88. Episode 88 is what we're on. Fitting. Talking about 1988 and the Jersey Switch. So let's see here. 88. How many have worn it? What do you think, buddy? How many? Jerome Aginla. That's the one and only. There you go. Great hockey number. It is a great hockey number. All credit goes goes to Eric Lindros on that one. Mm-hmm. Pat, Patty Kane obviously took it to another level. Patty Kane, where is he going to end up, man? That's a... I don't know. Chicago is a whole episode. Oh, God. <laughs> God, Jesus. I I can't imagine being a Chicago podcaster right now. Like, <laughs> what do you <laughs> talk about scorched earth? My God, yeah. they just like they just throw a match in the damn thing <laughs> imagine like, imagine trying to do a chicago episode for you know every two weeks well we're yeah. here again guys and everything still sucks it's like back to the 90s when they weren't even getting local oh, television so that the the game plan there was so people would go to the arena and can't yeah. watch it at home yep anyway um episode 88 i gotta dedicate to vince scully right it fits because 1988 dodgers world series his famous call on the Kurt Gibson Homer. It's all very fitting. Vince Scully passed away a couple of days ago by the time you're listening to this. And I tweeted out how, how spoiled were we with, with Bob, Chick, and Vin. And the answer was a resounding, extremely spoiled. And I couldn't <laughs> agree more. Um, he's His calls, man, like... What's funny is like everyone remembers the Gibson call. My most memorable call is the Buckner game. He was calling that on a national level. Mm. 
and his and every time I think of the Buckner play for the Red Sox, I think of Vin Scully's call when he says it's behind the bag. Um, it gets through Buckner, and the Mets win it. Like that's it, and it's his enthusiasm. He reminds me more of Bob than Chick because Chick had so much flash. Mm-hmm. But Vin is very simple with his words. He knows when to lay out. I think that's so important for a broadcaster. He knows exactly when to lay out and just let the moment sit. And he did that with the Gibson call so perfectly. Like he almost said nothing. He waited until like that big roar was settled down. And in a season where we've seen the improbable, the impossible has happened. That's it. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. It's perfect. And damn, dude, it's just, I have a thing with play-by-play guys. I always have. Like I, I identify the best ones. I identify who my favorites are. And every time they're calling a game, like I'm just like thrilled. My current favorite play-by-play guy is Chris Cuthbert. He has mm. been for quite some time now. Um, and he has that too. He's simple. He has those great lines. He knows when to lay out. It's sad, but hell, man, 94 years old. What a run. I'm just glad it wasn't premature. It wasn't. It, it seemed like he was doing fine well into his 80s health-wise, right? So that, that's the good part of it. And I hope the same for Bob. I hope he's around to see 94, 95 all that stuff but uh it made me think about how sad i'm going to be when that mm. day eventually comes unfortunately because bob's getting up there now so yeah i i don't know if i can top that eulogy man that was that was beautifully done it's quite a poetic episode we're putting together here and uh that's a that's a pretty solid finish we we all strive and i think a bunch of people said this alex faust obviously put this out there that those guys are the upper echelon right like you and i are not broadcasters you and i are relatively new to this compared to compared to everyone else who's doing this and uh we all strive to deliver that same cadence that same delivery that same image you know where you can just close your eyes and listen to the voice and it paints a picture for you and uh Losing, losing another one like that for damn sure. Yeah, protect Nick Nixon at all costs. Oh, my God. Human shield him. I don't care what we have to do. The good thing for him is that he's got Daryl with him at all times. That's right. No one's getting through Daryl. <laughs> no one. Have you seen that man in a sports coat? Good Lord. <laughs> I think that's half the reason why he wears them is that it deflects, <laughs> deflects people away from Nick. You know, I feel like I could project a movie on his back, <laughs> wide shoulders. All right, this is fun. Hopefully, we can get another one in before the before the end of the month. Before the back to the nitty gritty, uh, try to get a list episode in. We're kicking around some ideas on that. Thank you for all the Twitter interaction. We we are still very much present. Uh, like, subscribe, reviews, suggestions, all those things. We appreciate them. We appreciate again. Uh, up to 700 followers now, which is again just mind-boggling that that many of you <laughs> care what we say. It's it's incredibly flattering, and thank you all around. Um, we'll be back in a few weeks. 
Okay, go Kings, go. You've been listening to The Bannerman, an LA Kings podcast.